This is from Elena Lushabach, which is written by Yitzhak Zilberstein, who is a son-in-law of Bliashev and a brother-in-law of Reb Chaim Kanievsky. It was the 25th of Elul, years ago, a few days before the Yom Adin. Rav Baruch Madan was going out of the, the hospital called Tel HaShomer. There he was visiting a number of sick individuals, and he was preparing to travel to the south. That's where he lived. Time was 11 o'clock at night. Suddenly, he hears somebody calling him. There was a nurse going out of the main lobby, and she's motioning to him that he should come quickly. In one of the wards, there was a frumaju in a very difficult situation. Mamish, his last moments of his life. There was no one there with him. It's very befitting that there should be somebody with him, his last moments, that's what the nurse was, was beseeching. He says, look, a mitzvah like this you don't find every single day. And since it's, we're holding by the Yom Adin, I think he's referring to Yom Kippur, we're standing by the Yom, Yom Kippur, so Rav Madan, he jumped for this mitzvah, and he came close to this yid. It was written next to his bed, the name Shin Gelis. There was a very old yid who was lying there, very thin. He looked in a terrible situation. His, his hands, his arms were holding on to a safer to heal him. Only his lips were moving, and there was no voice heard. So I asked him, Rav Madan says, do you have a wife? To the surprise of the nurses surrounding him, he opened in his mouth and he said, no, I don't have a wife. Do you have children? I don't have children. Do you have relatives? Rav Madan continued. And the elderly person says, I have one relative. I have one relative. <laughs> and I am speaking to him right now. And he shows his safer to Hillel. Please do not disturb me from speaking to him. You go deal with your own needs and don't disturb me. In the coming moments, his situation started going downward, more worse and worse. And he was told, holding at the point right before you'd see his neshama. Suddenly, he opened up his mouth again, and the way he spoke changed completely from one to the other extreme. Be'etzem, he says, why did I tell you that I don't have any children? So he totally changed his... Let me just get to yeah, just, just bring them up to date. Avi asked me to read a Maisa that uh, he's stressing how moments are precious. That a Yid was, at, was, Yid was coming out of a hospital and the nurse came running and saying to him that there's a man who's dying, so please come running. He goes to the Yid. The Yid is very old, very frail, and he... Um, he asked him, do you have a wife? Do you have any children? No, no. Do you have any relatives? I have one relative, and I'm speaking to him right now. He's with his safer Tehillim. So please don't disturb me. As he's getting closer to Yitzhiya's Neshama, suddenly he opens up his mouth and he speaks differently. And he says like this, Be'emesin, I don't know why I told you I don't have any children. I do have children. I have one child, his name is David. My precious David. The old man began to speak. And his eyes filled with tears. 
he started speaking to his son as if he was right there. Just as if this precious child was standing right next to him. David, my beloved one, we send you to Cheder. And you were a big masmid. And even when it came the break, the noontime break, dinner break, you continued to be diligent about your learning. Your mother wanted you to go and play a little bit, or that you should take a nap, so that you should regain koiches to continue learning. And you used to come to me and beg me, please, Abba, tell, tell, tell mommy that I want to learn. This was your only desire in life. In your classroom, they learned Elam but you wanted more and more. And you started learning Misef the Sanhedrin. And then the old person started singing. Dini Mamanis Bishlaisha. You were in... When you were in Kita Bays, children, other Bachram from Kita Zayin, used to come over to you and ask you questions. All of the Rabbeim foresaw in you a great future. They saw in you being a Gayan. Until the day came that you turned around. You were about 10 years old. You returned to eat lunch. And just then, there was a telephone from a doctor, from the family doctor, and he asked that we come to him. It was very urgent. Mommy's face turned white. So before she was even able to give you the food, we went, Mommy and I went to the doctor, and you sat, and you kept on learning. You were hungry. When we returned from the doctor, mommy came over to you. She was all pale. She kissed you. And she didn't tell you to go to sleep or to play. She said, David, learn more and more. I'm ill. Davin for me. I need to travel to Chutzla Aritz for Tipulim. Treatments. For treatments. And you, you're a little child filled with with Amuna, you're telling her, you're you're promising her with tears. Ima, Al Tidagi, don't be afraid. I'm going to learn Tyra, I'm gonna daven for you, and you're going to return quickly to Ezra Sashem. And right away you return to the Dafkin Mara. Mommy traveled. I remained with you here in Eretz Israel. One Chaydish, the doctors in America they were saying that the situation became worse. One day, the telephone rang. I didn't have the kayak to pick up the, the phone. You, David, my son, you came to the telephone, and I heard you screaming into the phone, Ima, Ani, I want to tell you a secret. I want to tell you that only you, when you were next to me, you gave me the kayak to continue learning. You dealt with me like a malach when you called me to eat. I saw that it meant so much to you that I should have kayak to learn. Ima, without you, I can't learn. Ima, I want you to promise me that you're going to return within a chaydish, within a month, and, and the mother promised. And David continued learning in this coming month more and more, even stronger. He was certain that, that Ima would return at the end of the month. On the 30th day, David returned from the Cheder and came home. He was certain that Ima would be there, and she was there. It was a, the vehicle of the Hebra Kadisha that brought her there. Um, I don't know what this word means. Hadoid me America was.
Uncle Edmund? Uncle. Uncle from America brought out the bed and and kissed the small David. Achoy, your eyes that were filled always with life suddenly were eyes that were lacking luster. At that moment, you forgot all that you learned, all of the Ahavas Hashem that was beating within you, all of the, the Amuna that was burning within your heart, and you screamed out, Ima, you promised me that you're going to return. This is not how you return. At the time of Kaddish, you said it with Kriris, you said it with coolness. Again, the old man is talking to his child. And from that point on, you totally changed. You didn't speak a word with anyone. You stopped concentrating by Shiurim in the Cheder. Gemara didn't interest you. Your hair grew. You let it grow wild. And I, your father, I was not able to burden, to be able to take this change, this awesome change that was happening in you. I started screaming at you. I hit you. But your ears were stuffed. They were closed. One day you promised me that you're going to change, but you didn't keep it. I caught you with friends who removed the oil mitzvahs from them, and I screamed at you, liar. You promised you would return with tshuva. And you picked up both of your eyes, and you asked, it's usher to lie? Mother also lied. She promised me that she's going to return, and she didn't. Without mother, I'm not able to learn Tyra. So the old person continues talking to David. He says, your situation got worse and worse. I couldn't look at you anymore. And I forbade you to enter into the house. All of these words is what this old person was saying on his deathbed in the hospital, Tel Shamir to Rabbaruch Madan. Yeled Russia Hayali. He was a child. He was a Russia. And suddenly, this old person on his deathbed, he changed again. And suddenly, he raised his voice, and he started screaming, David, you're not a Peshea. You're a Helige child. I'm the one who sinned to you. I didn't understand you. I, didn't, I wasn't able to really understand the spirit of a child who was a Yasin, who lost his mother, a depressed child. And I brought you down even more. You were someone who had a cheshit to learn, and I brought you down. The old person started singing again, the parak in Sanhedrin, Dinei Mamanes Bishlaisha, with Gaguim Shein Kamayu, with yearning. David, instead of me filling the place of your mother, and being both a father and a mother to you, I was sadistical to you. I was concerned about myself. Because after I lost my own wife, I was in a terrible situation. I didn't know how to deal with you, my, my only one child. I want to speak to you, David, so that you should know that you're my child. And you're the tzaddik. And I am the... I, I, I destroyed you with my own hands. And now I want to ask you, Mechila... The old man begged to give him the telephone, and I believe this means to dial. And he began to dial. 
it was three minutes before 12 midnight. The sick person is trying to reach his child. However, the telephone was busy. David was in, is in America. The Jew who was living like a guy gummer, he was a chassan with a shiksa, Rahman al-Islam. Oh, he married the shiksa. And he brought five grandchildren, Goyim, for this father. He's, he was busy talking on the telephone with a diamond dealer. He himself was very, very successful. He was tremendously wealthy. And for, in honor of his wife's birthday, his wife, the Shiksa, he went to buy her a, a very huge diamond. That it's very difficult to find it in the entire world. During this telephone conversation, he was haggling with the dealer on the price. He's speaking and speaking. See, he was still Jewish after all. <laughs> <laughs> the conversation was lengthening, and the father, in Tel Shamir, kemat kemat, he gave up of reaching him. He decided to dial again another time. Oh, he was only able to dial three numbers and his neshama went up to his creator. He didn't even say Kriyashma and he didn't even get a chance to say Vidui. Rav Madan took the phone and he tried to reach the sun in America. And now the line was, was free. David picked up. Hello? I'm sorry, you can't speak with me now. I already closed the business. We'll talk tomorrow. That's when he heard the voice. He says, am I speaking with David Gellis? I'm speaking here from Israel, from the hospital. I want to tell you that your father passed away. The Levaya will take place in 24 hours. On the other side of the line, he could tell that there was trembling. And David came to the Levaya in a hidden part of his heart. It became clear to him that there was a warm spot for his father. Immediately, as soon as he reached Eretz Yisrael, he went straight to the hospital, to the bed of the dead person. Rav Madan was still there. Tagidli, tell me, he asked Rav Madan, did my, did my father learn Gemara before he passed away? And then, from the mouth of this Gaish Yid, suddenly you heard a nikin of Gemara. And the voice was like the voice of a child who was starting to learn. Rav Madan said, during my entire life, I never heard such yearning in a tune to learn Gemara like I heard. The Kayach of the Girsa, the Yankasa, that's the learning of a child which is never lost. 
So Ramadan says to him, Your father did not learn Gemara before he gave his before he returned his Neshama. David asked again, Did he Daven before he was Nifter? And again Ramadan said, Lamaisa, when the boy asked Did he Daven, it says that the boy himself, this David, he started, he started screaming in Tfilis that he remembered when he was a child. And Rav Madan testified, besides for the Tfila of the yearning at Rav Shimshon Pinkis that he heard by Ni'ila, he never heard such a yearning voice of Tfila more than the child let go of this Nifter. This Yid, this David who didn't remember anything of his Yiddishkeit, and Rav Madan said, he didn't have an either. Did he say Shema Yisrael? Your father did not say Shema Yisrael. He didn't have it. He didn't learn before he was Nifter. All he was doing was speaking about you. Only about you. His last words were about you. He tried to call you to America. Abba tried to reach me? When? Three minutes before 12, David heard this, his entire body started trembling. At that moment, he was dealing, haggling over the price of the diamond. Little by little, he grasped what had just happened. And then, he took out of his pocket the diamond that he purchased for his shiksa wife. It was a diamond so large that it blinded the people with the radiance, and he threw it to the ground. Then he bent over his father, and he started screaming in Yiddish, Tatale, my Tatale, if I would have known that you're on the telephone, if I would have known that you're on the line, I would have thrown the diamond to the side, I would have spoken to you. Tate, I want to listen to your voice. Tate, Sing to me something. Sing to me about a Havas Torah. That used to sing in the house. Shabbos night by the table. Sing, sing. I want to listen, Tata. You're the most precious diamond in the world. Sing to me a last time. Dime Mama has But Father wasn't able to sing. I want to dissect this story. I want to dissect the story. Listen, let's understand what happened here and how it's Nagaya, and let's make sure that we don't have the same ending. The kid was a Matsuyan, right? Most of your kids, great kids, Matsuyan. Whether he's a Matsuyan or not a Matsuyan doesn't matter. He was a normal kid, he was functioning, and everything was fine. The father knew that at 10 years old he went through a trauma. Many of you know that your kids went through trauma, or at least they're acting like it, or at least it's a big suffix that probably something happened. And then when the kid acted like he was stabbed, so he choked, so he couldn't function, the father then made the big mistake that instead of embracing him, he made his life worse. He couldn't look at him. In the name of Tyro, or in the name of the community, or in the name of whatever it is, I can't look at you acting like this. But meanwhile, we know that all those years that the father couldn't look at him and the kid was getting worse and worse and worse, 
that when you push someone off the stairs, they're going to fall down the stairs. This is the Ishtalshalus. And even though we can't imagine us doing those mistakes, and we don't understand why these mistakes equal plus, 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 this mistake leads to that mistake, leads to the other mistake, and then we blame them for the eighth mistake, but really it's just the Ishtalshalus of the trauma. This kid is a trauma victim. And the father made the mistake of cutting him out of his life. But then, the kid spirals out of control. He has no mother, he has no father. And the father feels that he's correct all the years. Fast forward decades later, and the father's on the deathbed. I have no children. This kid doesn't exist. He's gone. And he feels correct. He gets closer to death, and he says, what am I talking about? I have a child. And then all of a sudden, the clarity is there. All that clarity, if he would have had that when the kid was 11 and 12 and 15 and 18 and 20, it would have made a difference to the child. All of a sudden, he's clear. He says, you, you're your precious kid. You were just suffering from the trauma that you went through, and I took it personally, and I felt like, you're, like I couldn't look at you, and I was disgusted. And all of a sudden, he doesn't say, but I understand. He says, no, you're precious. You're good. You're vile. You're wonderful. And then he reaches out to the kid, and it's too late. And this kid, who was so far, and this is what I took out of it, everything that they're doing, they're stuck, they're, they're traumatized, they're, they're forced. It seems like it's a shita. It's not a shita. Because then the kid says, if you would have reached out to me, I would have thrown it all away. Maybe not when they're 15 or they're 18, but that's the feeling. If you would have called me, I would have thrown it all away. And all those years, if his father would have called him 10 years earlier, Maybe that's what it would have helped. The point is, an old man in a hospital is more powerful than the shiksa and the kids and the averis and the taiva. And parents always say, they're going to give all that up for me? Yes. Not always so dramatic, not always right when you want it, but overall, yes. And the lesson is, parents are writing off their kids and it feels like because we're in, in, a, in, a, in a place of power, even though it hurts, but you have lives and you have other children, right? Like you told me, listen, for this kid, he only has two parents, but we have plenty of kids. Let's write them off. And then, you know, the other nine can hear it either way. But one day, one day, you're going to be old and frail, and you're going to say, what in the world did I do? This is a trauma victim. He's good. Look, I proved to you he was good. Look before the trauma. He was normal. He was good. He was vile. He was smart. Or he, what happened? What happened wasn't his fault. So my ending of the story is let's not wake up when it's too late and the kid is already so far gone that you don't even have his phone number anymore.